This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning, and I am joined this morning... From the University of Minnesota by Julie Weisenhorn. Good morning, Julie. Hey, good morning, Denny. How are you? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are too. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And uh, back at you. Yeah, we're uh, we're getting a bunch of text messages already as we speak, nice. which is not, I guess, unusual for our Lawn and Garden show. Uh, Julie helps our listeners out from time to time here on the on our Smart Garden Show. And if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and if you're a regular listener, you know how busy we tend to get. So call in your question or send a text. It's the same number, 651-461-9226. And uh, let's mention, too, that, uh, you know, this is a great week, especially with folks uh, getting, you know, friends visiting, relatives visiting. Get to the Arboretum. We'll talk oh, about that yeah. a little bit later. Yeah, what, very cool right what a, now. What a great place to show uh, show off you to, to your uh, friends and relatives. All right. I'm going to shoot you a question right away here, Julie. Great. It says, I'm re, uh, repotting my succulent from soil to gritty mix. Do I use all gritty mix or mix it with soil? Well, I would mix it with soil. Our, our succulents are, uh, while they, they benefit from well-drained media, but uh, you can mix in some regular soil. Now, regular soil, I'm talking about regular potting mix, not regular garden soil. Oh, you never okay. want to pot your houseplants with garden soil. You get all sorts of critters and insects and things that are undesirable into your house. So use a good potting soil. You can mix it in with some of that grit a little bit. And just make sure that your pot is also well-drained. Make sure that it has at least one good-sized hole in the bottom. You know, recall uh, well this season too, this year, and as well as last year, folks were sending uh, text questions about bugs in their Meyer lemon tree, and oh, they, what what the heck do you call <laughs> those things? Because we had them here too. Were they the mealy bugs, the white kind of I could, ones? I, I couldn't tell you because I, I was or... I would see like gnats flying. Oh, fungus gnats! Oh. yeah, fungus gnats. How do you get rid of those? So fungus gnats are. Uh, are a bit of a nuisance. They do have larvae that live down in the root area of a house plant. Uh, and what happens is those larvae are feeding on the root. So they can be somewhat detrimental to your house plant's health. But mostly we see the adults that are, that are actually a type of fruit fly flying around, uh, really being annoying. And, uh, and, and most people think they have fruit flies, but they don't have any fruit on the counter. Yes. So they're wondering where they came from. So 
fungus gnats thrive in wet, consistently wet conditions. So this means that you are not allowing your plant soil to dry out between waterings. It's staying consistently wet. And so that makes a great environment for those larvae to live and ultimately turn into the adults. So you want to be sure that the soil is drying out between waterings. That will be better for your plant health anyway because uh, it alleviates the possibility of root rot mm. where your roots are literally rotting in that wet soil. And it also uh, you also want to be sure that your pot is well-drained so that any excess water isn't collecting in the bottom of the pot but is actually draining out every time you water it. We do have good information on an excellent webpage that my... Uh, my uh, former colleague, Jeff Hahn, who's a professor emeritus in uh, entomology that he and I wrote called Managing Insect Pests in Your House Plants. And that has a section on fungus gnats. Mm. So you can go ahead. There's a couple, there's a lot of cultural advice. There's some chemical advice too, but I find that, that really uh, you don't need to uh, spray or treat with anything. You can usually alleviate it. The one good thing you could do is repot your plant. Oh, okay. And I, put in some clean, new potting soil, and and then be sure that you're putting it in a pot that, that drains well. I recall our listeners sending in some uh, suggestions about, and I can't remember if it was sand or diatomaceous earth or something to to add to it. I, I can't remember exactly. But. Yeah, probably both to put on the surface of the of the pot, surface of the yes, soil. Yes, yes, yes. But I really find that unless you have a restriction, like you have a huge Norfolk pine or something, um, that's really impossible to repot, that repotting the plant, washing off the roots, that's a really clean, hmm. easy way right. to also give some new life to your plant as well. But exactly you, to the point, get on the website. You'll love it, extension.umn.edu. Yeah. It's uh, a great page. It really is. You guys put a lot of work into that. Let's go to the phones, Julie. Sandy's calling in from Roseville, I believe, uh, this morning. Sandy, good morning. You're on CCO with Julie. Good morning. Um I, I keep my Christmas cactuses out on my porch all summer, and when I bring them in, you know, in the fall, they're loaded with buds, and they did that this year, too. They they bloom, they're beautiful, and I still have a lot of buds, and the nev- the second set of buds never seem to bloom for me. Am I doing something wrong? Sandy, I have exactly the same problem that you do. <laughs> and I think what happens is that the plant puts a ton of energy into that first flush of flowers, and I mean, just think of, of all of, I mean, that's what the plant is focusing on. So a ton of energy into it. That second round of buds are not quite as resilient. Um, they're, they've been set outside and they're coming inside. So they're, so they're kind of immature when they come in. And, uh, and so they tend to drop off. And at, also as our houses heat up, now that our outdoor temperatures are colder, they get drier, and sometimes those buds just aren't as resilient. So um, I think you're doing everything fine, and it's just kind of the physiology of the plant. Don't continue, don't overwater it. Um, that's one of the things that people kind of jump to is, oh, they must be drying out. I need to water more. These plants actually like to be fairly dry and well-drained. So I, I'd say you're doing a great job, and it's just kind of the nature of the beast at this point. This is a te- and I've got the same problem. <laughs> oh, you do? Uh, yeah, my are doing the same thing. I was going to take a break, but let's grab this uh, text, Julie. It says, uh, if, we, if we only get flurries tomorrow, my plan is to overseed, but wait until right before I see a significant amount of snow. 
Uh, if we if we only get flurries tomorrow, my plan is to overseed, but wait until right before I see a significant amount of snow in the forecast to do so. Is that acceptable? Well, that's ideal. Is to you you would want a layer of snow to come in right after you dormant seed, um, but you could certainly put it down now. I was just reading Mark Seeley's weather talk uh, and uh, his blog, and he said our soil temperatures are getting into the 30s now. So. Now is a good time. You can certainly dormant seed now. Excellent. All right, Julie, let's take a quick break here uh, on our Smart Garden Show. Our phone number is also our text number, 651-461-9226. We'll be back with Julie and your questions here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Had a good Saturday morning to you. 34 in our Twin Cities. We were heading for 40 degrees and not as windy today. So, Julie Weisenauer from the U of M, it's time to get out there and get rid of those leaves because tomorrow's going to be windy. They'll be back. Yeah, it's been really windy. It's Really? I, I read something in, uh, I'm trying to remember the webpage. I was. It was about why it's so windy. It was, oh, it was on one of the weather stations, one of the weather apps. and uh, And it was about why it's so windy in November. And it has to do with, with cloud cover and warm air above the clouds and cold air sinking to the ground and creating this kind of this perfect storm for wind. So blowing our leaves around. Yeah, again, (laughs) but today may be a good day to get out there. Sure. Uh, Here's our phone number. Again, it's also our text number. And uh, as I said earlier, if you're familiar with the show, you know we tend to get busy. So don't wait with your Lana Garden question for Julie. 651-461-9226. Here's one that says, my Christmas cactus is almost done blooming. I put outside, bring in when the temp is lower than 50. Can I leave it outside longer to de- delay the bloom time? And if you would, to please talk about the different types of cactus that bloom this time of year. Oh, my gosh. That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I would not leave it out too much longer. Uh, Christmas cactus are, or holiday cactus are... Um, Short day plants, meaning that they will set bud in reaction to the shorter daylight. So whether you leave it outside or bring it indoors, you're still going to be having less daylight. And so that will kick the plant into budding. Temperatures also will. So if you have a, if you don't really have a good spot for it to grow in your house, you can adjust uh, for light by adjusting the temperature in the room that it's in. So those are some options. Um, there are a number of different species of Schlumbergera, which is the genus of the Christmas or holiday cacti. There's Truncata, which is typically the quote-unquote Thanksgiving cactus. And there's also uh, Bredigiae, and that has changed its species name a number of times. Um, and, and so that is another type. That's more the Christmas cactus, the one that blooms a little bit later. And then we have the Easter cactus, and I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, Gertniae. And that is, uh, that's a plant that actually reacts to long day. So that's a long day plant, hence the Easter uh, name. And it blooms in the spring. And the, the, uh, the stems, which are created of cladophylls, those are those little sections that you have, those are um, a little bit rounder shaped and a little bit longer. And then they also, the flowers are quite different. They, they're similar in color and texture, but they have more of a petal-like look 
versus the more irregular look of the Christmas and, and Thanksgiving cactus. We have all of this information on our Holiday Cactus webpage, on our Yard and Garden page, so you can read a little bit more about that. Extension.umn.edu, you will not regret uh, checking that out. What a a website. It's a great Um, page. Here's a listener's question, Julie. It says, I transplanted a clump of rhubarb late this summer. Should I mulch it over winter, uh, over four winter? uh, Stalks and leaves are all dead and gone. Yeah, you could certainly add some leaf litter to that. Just a few inches is all you need. Or if you want to get... If you have straw, clean straw, this means straw that does not have seed in it. Uh, if you can have that at your ready, you can certainly use that as well. So that never hurts to throw a layer of that on a plant. Rhubarb is pretty tough, uh, but it is an early spring plant. And so uh, so it, it does help, that mulch does help to moderate, kind of gradually freeze the soil, gradually warm it up in the spring, which is less stressful for the plant. This listener wants to know, is it time to put leaves, et cetera, on perennials? I think you could probably do that by now. Um, and we usually wait until it gets pretty cold, but we're going to have some cold temperatures coming up. I think we're in the safe zone now for doing that. So sure, you can absolutely do that. And I know folks like me want to get rid of the leaves <laughs> that we could not get rid of because of, the, uh, because of the wind. What about snow? For those that maybe uh, have not heard us talking about it, snow is really snow cover is really important for our landscape, is it not? It is. Snow actually is a wonderful insulator, but our problem is, is we can't really rely on it because we have had winters where it's very dry and our snowfall is pretty minimal. So those leaves that you have, uh, you can put them back onto your garden. If You can blow them onto the garden. You can rake them onto the garden. And in the spring, as your plants start to come up, you can just push those leaves aside and leave them on the soil as leaf mulch. You could, uh, you could possibly uh, move some of the, the excess leaves into a compost pile or a leaf pile. But those leaves serve as a great overwintering site for important pollinators like queen bees. So we don't want to be um, cleaning up too much. It's a kind of, this is your hall pass for being a little bit less tidy in your, in your garden and also adding carbon to your, in, to your soil, which is really important. All right. If you'd like to call and chat with uh, Julie or send Julie a text, same number, 651-461-9226. Here's one from a listener says, how do I winterize my asparagus plants, cut them to the ground or cover them? Usually uh, the people that I know who grow a lot of asparagus will leave it standing in the winter until it breaks off or falls over. But you could, if, if you want to clean that up, if you want to you know, cut it down, if it's broken over the fronds, you can certainly cut them off. I would cut them off a little bit above the soil. I wouldn't take them down too low. But uh, that way you can actually see where the asparagus is in the spring. And, and, uh, and then you can just compost those fronds. All right. This listener says, uh, we are building a new home, and the builder will be seeding the lawn this year. We have a dog that will be taking care of her needs on the new seed this winter and next spring. Would it be helpful to apply lime to the areas that she uses or do you have other recommendations? I know we get questions about lime from time to time. What does that supposedly do? So lime is uh, considered, people use the term sweeten the soil. It actually will raise the pH in the soil. So if you have a very acidic soil, you can add lime to offset that. The 
I think the issue is is with the dogs. The dog's urine is very acidic, and and it does kill what it hits. But it also adds nitrogen around the area, around the spot. When you see dog spots in a lawn, you'll see a dead center, and then you'll also see uh, kind of a dark green ring around that center, and that's the nitrogen leaching out from the urea, from the urine. Um, dog spots are tough in lawns, and if you can possibly designate one area for your dog to go, maybe, I, I'm not sure, but you can, some, you can train dogs to go. I've trained my dog to go in a mulched area. She doesn't go on the lawn very much. She still goes sometimes. Uh, that's ideal. But if your dog is old enough now that, that that's not feasible, you will want to just plan on reseeding those areas that the dog has killed off. So that is, there's nothing you can add to their diet. You could certainly follow the dog around with a hose and, and water in the, and, and uh, reduce the acidity of the nitrogen with water, dilute it. But, um, but really it's a matter of when you have a dog and you have a yard and your dog uses the yard for its bathroom, you usually end up having to just reseed those areas. Mm-hmm. That's the trade-off, I guess. Or train your dog. <laughs> yes, or train so your dog. So those are your options. Before we break for weather, let's grab a call from Catherine, who's calling in from uh, Blaine this morning. Catherine, you are on with Julie Weisenhorn. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. I Yeah, I have a hibiscus that um, I put it outside in the summer, this last summer. Didn't bloom at all. I brought it in, and now it's blooming like crazy. Is that Nice. Is that unusual? <laughs> well, sometimes the plant has, uh, you know, plants don't use Google calendars. <laughs> and sometimes I think that the plant, the change in the environment will prompt a plant to, to bud. And uh, I don't know if it's unusual, but I know, but hibiscus do bloom readily when they do come into the house. Maybe it's a matter of the, the weather getting cooler and the plant being a tropical plant that it is... Um, you know, it's kind of uh, holding back on blooming because the weather is getting cooler. When you bring it inside, it's suddenly warm and, and sunny, and the plant pops into bloom at that point. So enjoy it. It's a fabulous plant. I have one myself. I love it. It is a gorgeous plant. So really a nice house plant and great out on the deck, too. Hopefully next year it will start blooming for you. Excellent. All right, Julie, let's uh, see what the weather folks have in store for us uh, this uh, holiday week. Stay with us. We have another half hour of our Smart Garden show to uh, go here. 651-461-9226 for your phone calls or text messages for Julie. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are around uh, 8 o'clock every Saturday morning here on CCO. Thanks for joining us. You can uh, call Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M or you can send Julie a text. Same number applies to either, 651-461-9226. We're going to grab a call from Gene and Andover in a moment. But I wanted to, uh, we mentioned uh, the Arboretum. And uh, what's going on there lately these days, Julie? Oh, my Oh, my goodness. Well, the Winter Lights uh, is the big exhibit right now with all these fabulous outdoor holiday lights. You can stand inside a lit up giant apple. You can go into, uh, we've got water lilies, huge water lilies, kind of, well, floating, quote unquote, 
on our uh, on our Dry Creek area. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's ten dollars per member and fifteen for non-members. And you would need to go online and get a ticket uh, because the it's limited how many people can come in. But man, it's amazing. It's amazing. We're going actually tonight with my cousins, so we're going to be out there tonight. But one thing I wanted to mention too is there's a ton of education from the Arboretum. And one class in particular that I really am fond of is the Extension ProHort Core Course. So ProHort is an opportunity to take the same curriculum as a master gardener, but without the obligation of volunteering. Mm. And as you're continuing education, we have people in the industry who take it to help them do better in their jobs. We have people who are average homeowners, gardeners, uh, whatever, they take the class too. It's online. You can do it at your own pace. And one of the neat things about it, and I love this part of it, is that we have optional online Q&A sessions during the modules. And I get to be online with these students and answer any and all questions that they have. So it's like having a little mini uh, smart garden period with me. So it's a lot of fun to do. And I do a number of the different modules, herbaceous plants, woody plants, indoor plants, all that. So that's a really fun thing for me as an educator, but it's a great class. And I would highly recommend if you are looking for a serious gardening class and you want to learn about botany and herbaceous plants and lawn care and weeds and insects, this is a great one to take. And you can sign up for it at the Arboretum. So get online. Get online. Yep. It's arb, A-R-B dot U-M-N dot E-D-U. And go to uh, learn and adult classes. What a great opportunity. It's awesome. Wow. All right. Let's mention that before you leave us today, Julie, for sure. I know we're going to get questions about that. All right. Our phone number, 651-461-9226, is also our text number for Julie for your lawn and garden questions. We promised Jean and Andover uh, she'd be next. Jean, go ahead. You're on uh, CCO with Julie. Good morning. Morning. Um, first of all, I want to say that this show is one of the best shows on WCCO Radio, Aww. hands down. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for Thank sharing you. your Thank knowledge. You. Um, but I planted this past spring a hardy hibiscus in my garden. I've watered it well. It blossomed beautiful all summer. But now when do I cut that back? And if I mulch it, will mice want to live in there and chew on it? Because we have mice in our yard. Oh, mice. Yeah, they're pesky. Um, I think you can cut it back uh, pretty much. I would leave it up through the winter and uh, if you can. And, and when you see that the stems are really dead, then you could cut them back. I would mulch it around the base. And one thing you can do to keep mice out is to use a ring of hardware cloth. So hardware cloth, are, it's a sturdy, uh, a sturdy type of uh, fencing. It has little quarter-inch uh, squares in it, so it's really small, so the mice can't get into that. Uh, and you want to bury the edge of that down a few inches in the soil. So you sh- still should be able to do that. And uh, so cut a ring around that and, and, and then stuff it full of leaves at the base of that plant. And that, by burying it, it prevents the mice from pretty much digging underneath it. I mean, nothing is a complete guarantee, but that's a really good way to keep uh, animals from feeding on that plant. And, uh, and that's on the information we have on preparing plants for, for winter. That's on our, uh, on our website on trees and shrubs, actually. But that's a good way to do it. And you can save that ring from year to year. Just tuck it away in your garage and put it back up. I do that with my blueberry plants. 
All right. Very good. By the way, I learned the hard way is wear gloves dealing with hardware cloth. Yeah, it's sharp. And yeah. I've used um, I've used wire to wire together, but you can also use uh, zip ties oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Perfect. So that works good. All right, back to the text messages. Overseeding a lawn is better when? Well, uh, the best time, well, dormant seeding is a great thing to do. You do that now. So you want to uh, cut your grass maybe one more time if you haven't already. And then uh, to put that seed down. And that seed will work its way down into the soil. And that will give it a jump start in the spring. The seed will start to germinate when the temperatures and moisture are appropriate. But fall is also a good time to overseed. Starting, I, I believe, around mid-August, you could overseed, and that will give time for that seed to establish. Our grasses are cool season grasses, so they grow best in spring and fall. July is a terrible time to overseed your lawn. It's too hot. The seed does not germinate. It ends up being wasted, a lot of it. And uh, and so spring and fall and and then dormant seeding are your are your best options. All right. This uh, listener says I keep killing my succulents. What am I doing wrong? I let them dry out. Okay. Well, it could be the drainage in the container. Uh, you want to be sure that 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 container has at least one good sized hole in it so that it drains out. You want to maybe put that container in the sink and allow it to drain. Don't let it sit in a decorative pot with no hole in the bottom. Don't let it drain and sit in water in a saucer. You want to make sure that that soil dries out. Sounds like you're working on that, but that may be part of the part of the issue. Usually we overwater succulents because they they have those big meaty leaves and you think that they need a lot of water. The other thing you can do with succulents is you can feel those leaves and when the leaves are if the leaves are nice and turgid, if they're nice and firm, don't water it. If they get flexible and flimsy, it's time to water them. Mm. So that might be a, a good way to go. That's a great one if you have a jade plant, especially. That's a wonderful way to do that, but it works with all succulents. All right. What's the best place this listener wants to know to keep a peace plant in the house? So a peace plant, a uh, peace lily, is a uh, will grow in a, it's an understory plant in its native environment. So it's not a full sun plant. So it works in like moderate to low light conditions. And, uh, and so you can, you can keep that in, you know, a, a, not a direct light window, but you can keep it in maybe indirect light. Um, you want to be sure with those plants as well that they are well drained. That's a, that's a basic rule of thumb for all house plants is that those pots drain well and that you're not overwatering it. But I think that the peace lily... That would be a, like a moderate light, kind of a medium light type of plant. Um, so indirect light would probably be fine. Now remember in our houses too that we've got glass between the light and the plant. And if our glass is dirty, that light is filtered and it's less intense. So make sure you have clean windows going into winter so that you're getting as much light as possible into your house for your plants. Okay. This listener says, I usually cut my peonies down for the winter. Would it either help insects or hurt the plants if I don't cut them down this year? Well, the the stems of the peonies are going to be dead in the spring. So you can either cut them down now or you can cut them down or or cut them off in the spring. So either way you want to do it. It's not going to 
create more insect issues. The thing about peonies is they are often susceptible to powdery mildew. So by cutting them off now, if you've had any mildew issues, you're removing that the, the source of that mildew from that area of the garden. Now, that's not to say you won't get it again because powdery mildew is in our, in our gardens all over, but at least you reduce some of that by removing the fronds, okay. removing the, the leaves. This listener says, Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Thank you and to you. Two small trees I have wire caged and mulch with leaves every winter. Can I mulch now? Sure, you can mulch now. I think in general we can mulch anything now. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Mark Seeley, who has a great blog called Weather Talk, Minnesota Weather Talk, he's stating that, that the soil temperatures are getting into the 30s now, so that's that's great. Now we can start to really confidently mulch. So I think you could mulch any plants now, with uh, whether you're using leaves, which are readily available in most people's yards. If you're going to mulch with, uh, with uh, straw, clean straw, seedless straw, that's another good option too. Pine needles are fine. Um, so there's, I think we could all mulch at this point. Okay. Julie, we need to take a break, and we have more Smart Garden ahead. Keep in mind that coming up next hour in the 9 o'clock hour, your home improvement answer, uh, questions and answers from Andy Lindis and our uh, home improvement hour. Then in 10 o'clock, if you have a dog or cat at home, improvement answer, uh, questions and answers from Andy Lindis and our uh, home improvement hour. Then in 10 o'clock, if you have a dog or cat at home, uh, our veterinarian friend, Dr. Gene Geske, will be visiting in the 10 o'clock hour. So get those pet questions ready for the 10 o'clock hour. You can ask the vet those questions then. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Around every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your calls and your text questions this morning for Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. You and I want to mention, Julie, again, that I can't even say it enough because it's such a <laughs> tremendous website, extension.umn.edu, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I'm going back to that Peace Lily question mm -hmm. because we have a really great web page under our indoor plants section called Lighting for Indoor Plants and Starting Seeds. And the Peace Lily... They note we note in that page that peace lily is an understory plant where it grows as a native, and so it's growing kind of covered up by other plants. It's underneath other plants, underneath trees, underneath taller plants. So, I guess my my plug for this page is that we have some great uh, great lists of plants. You'll find the peace lily under the low light plants. So low light means bright enough to read a newspaper by. And, uh, and most low-light plants note that they're grown for their foliage, not necessarily flowers. So we have lots of things like cast iron plants, ponytail palms, dumb cane, dracaena, peace lilies, philodendrons, palms. All of those are foliage plants. So that's important. In a, in a home, and I appreciate the fact that the, that the uh, texter asked this because a lot of people don't think about it, like what's the best area for my peace lily. So these are going to grow in a north window or a fairly dark corner because they are these understory plants. And that's really important. Um, and so read this webpage. This is a great webpage. If you are looking for plants for your home or your apartment, 
uh, it can be really tough in some of some places to find plants that do well and we all want plants around us all the time so take a look at this web page it's under our indoor plants or our house plant section on yard and garden and it's got some good lists of plants for low light medium and also highlight plants too so um, but think about it's it's fun to think about where the plant is native and how it grows in its native environment and that will give you some clues as to the best lighting for that plant that makes but you sense. can also go to our web page very good the web again is extension.umn.edu great website Something ate the leaves off our rhubarb. Could it be deer? I thought rhubarb leaves are poisonous. Same thing happened to our hosta plants. What do you think, Julie? Interesting. I'm guessing it was probably deer if you have deer issues. So rhubarb leaves have oxalic acid in them. For humans, uh, yeah, we don't want to be eating those leaves. But for deer, you know, they can eat a lot of things that we can't. Uh, and so I'm guessing because you, if that, because you lost your hosta leaves too, that probably deer. Deer will shred the leaves. So if you look at the stem and it's all shredded, that's because they're pulling on it. Rabbits, on the other hand, cut leaves off at, or stems off at a, night, a 45 degree angle because they have those incisors, those big teeth in front. So you can look at that and if it looks kind of like somebody ripped it off, that's probably deer. All right. Is it too late? This is a listener wants to know to plant California poppy seeds now or wait until spring if spring is better. What month or conditions should I look for? Well, California poppies will reseed themselves really nicely. So I think you could you could try a little bit of both. I would throw down some now. They're not going to germinate in this weather. But you could also throw some down in the spring as well. If I, I think when you throw them down now, you will see them coming up in the spring. They are easy to seed and they have a lot of seed. You could let them go to seed if you want to expand your population of California poppies as well. Okay. This listener wants to know, is it too late for tulip bulb planting? Oh, man, this has been a real question this fall because we've had this really long fall, and I think people have kind of put off uh, planting bulbs. You can plant bulbs as long as you can work the soil. So uh, it is not the optimal time. But, uh, but this is something that you could do now. The issue is that we would prefer it to be sooner in the year, like around in October, because the bulbs can actually start to get acclimated and go dormant into the, uh, uh, into the winter. But the issue is that we forget. And so trying to keep the bulbs over winter is almost more challenging than getting them in the ground now. The best thing to do is to plant them as soon as you get them. But if you are plant, you could plant them now. If you are going to keep them, if you say, I just can't do it now, or you forget and find more bulbs in your garage, uh, then you could also keep, try to keep them over the winter in uh, some, pla- some damp peat moss in a refrigerator. Not buy your fruits and vegetables because those will put out ethylene that mm. will cause the bulbs to rot. So you want to keep them separate, like a garage refrigerator that's on all the time. Um, we This has been a, a real question, and my cousin Steve and I got into a discussion about this the other night. So uh, I think I need to add some information to our bulb page about plant about these bulbs that get left behind. But yes, you could still plant them now. Less than two minutes to go, Julie. How do I winterize my clematis newly planted last summer? 
Uh, here I would, uh, it depends on the clematis, if the clematis blooms on old wood, in other words, if it re-blooms on the stems that it has now, leave it standing or leave it hanging on the, on the trellis, and I would mulch around the base of it. And uh, protect it probably with some screening like we talked about with the caller who asked about the mice and protecting her hibiscus or hardy hibiscus. I would screen that base around. Uh, if it's a clematis that blooms from new stems, you can cut it right down to the bottom and throw some leaf mulch over the base. 60 seconds to go, Julie. Let's get that website again and how we can uh, maybe learn a little more about gardening. Yeah, extension.umn.edu. I would recommend everybody subscribe to the Yard and Garden News. This comes out two times a month. Uh, we are pr- always writing articles about current gardening things. Right now, as you can imagine, a lot of it is about indoor plants and winterizing your garden. But soon as uh, January, February starts, we start talking about spring. So um, subscribe to that. You get an update or an alert on your email when we have new information on there every two weeks. Real fast. When can we hear the abiders next? (laughs) Well, we don't have anything scheduled, but we are working on it. So we had a great time at the Brewfest. Well, you'll have to let us know for sure. I will do that. All right, Julie, happy Thanksgiving to to you guys. And uh, let's talk soon, shall we? Yeah, I'm thankful for all the gardeners out there and for WCCO. And you as well. Julie, thanks so much. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis next hour. And then if you have a pet at home and you want to ask the veterinarian a question, you can do that very thing in the 10 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Heading for 41 degrees later today right now, mostly cloudy skies. Our current CCO temperature reading 34. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.